Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So I just, I love Jesus so much, and I, I consider it such a privilege and such an honor to be able to share with you today, and I, uh, I pray that you will receive something today that, that will be planted deep in your heart, and that it will not just go in one ear and pick up speed and out the other, but, but that the Holy Spirit will plant truth in your heart deep today that will germinate and bring forth fruit in your life. So uh, just to, just to kind of set the stage, I want to begin by looking at a verse of scripture from John, the gospel of John chapter one, verse 14 through 16. And I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. Uh, this is just uh, so, so incredibly powerful. And uh, I believe that it will, it will help us get started uh, in the right direction. And the word, Christ, became flesh and lived among us and we actually saw his glory, glory as belongs to the one and only begotten son of the father, the son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. John testified repeatedly about him and has cried out a testifying of cried out testifying officially for the record with validity and reverence this was he of whom I said he comes after me he has a higher rank than I and has priority over me for he existed before me for out of his fullness the superabundance of his grace and truth we have all received grace upon grace spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing favor upon favor and gift gift heaped upon gift. Now, I want to just go back and look at this last verse again one more time. Out of his fullness, out of his fullness is overflowing the, with this super abundance of grace and truth. We have all received grace upon grace. Now that, that is talking about God's divine enabling. That he that is available for us to, to rise up, to be able to go through any circumstance, any situation, God's divine enabling and the, the grace that, that, that is at work in salvation and in the rest of our walk with God, grace upon grace, a spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, it sounds like Christmas to me. It sounds like walking into a room and seeing a pile of gifts and boxes, all gift wrapped and bows and the, all of this stuff is there. And I want you to know that if you have received the gift of salvation, because you don't get it by working, you can't earn it, you'll never deserve it, you won't be worthy of it. It is a gift that is given to us by, by the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have received the gift of salvation, I want you to know there's more. I want you to know there's more. I want you to know that God has just begun a work in your life and he is committed to 
finishing the good work that he has started in each and every one of us. And one of the gifts that God has given us is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Judges chapter 6, we're told, depending on which translation you look at, it says that the Holy Spirit, that God came and possessed Gideon, and Gideon went out and did great feats for God. Another translation says that, that the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. And, and so, so no matter how you look at it, I want to talk to you about a source of power and strength that is absolutely supernatural. It is absolutely beyond our own ability. And if you have ever felt discouraged, if you have ever felt like you were running low on hope or cope or joy or patience or love or anything like that, I want you to know that God has a supply that will never run dry. And he wants to hook you up today and every single day for the rest of your life with not just barely enough, not just enough, but with more than enough of everything that you will need every day of your life. And so I I just want to begin by by pointing out that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is is very significant. Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about uh, the the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, and many of of their record is parallel. And and you can read many of the same things. When you get to John, John starts off in chapter 1, and he goes back before. Before the beginning, goes back into eternity past. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was with God in the beginning. And he brings us up to, to uh, and, and we read things that, that we don't read in the other Gospels. We read about the wedding at Cana. We read about the, the resurrection of Lazarus. We read about uh, the blind man uh, that Jesus healed, blind Bartimaeus. We read there are a number, a number of things, but all four Gospels boldly, Declare the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to say to you, the baptism, the, the Holy Spirit, is. Uh, is the third person in the Trinity, and when we refer to the Holy Spirit, we don't refer to Him as it. He is a person. He's the third person in the Trinity. We refer to him as he. Now, some people grow up in a spiritual, uh, in, in a, in a spiritual faith culture where there, there's not any attention given to the Holy Spirit. People don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, we just kind of, they're, they're just kind of taught to stay away from that. And if you have ever had someone say to you that you just need to kind of, you know, keep your distance from that Holy Spirit stuff. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. It's a little bit spooky. I want you to understand. I don't think they even realize what they're saying, but if somebody says, keep your distance from the Holy Spirit, they're saying, stay away from God because he is, he is the third person in the Trinity. And, and the Holy Spirit is at work in every part of our spiritual walk from the very beginning, even before we give our hearts to the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work of conviction. He's the one who's whispering in our ear saying, you ought not to be talking like that. You shouldn't be here. You know better than to be doing this. You know you should not be. And he brings conviction. He, he, he reveals righteousness. He's the one who leads us to Jesus. He is at work in that, in that process of regeneration 
generation. And this is not just a New Testament principle, but the Old Testament talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I just want to mention one reference. In Acts chapter 2, Peter quotes from the prophet Joel, an Old Testament prophet. And he says, now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You have no idea how blessed you and I are. And you have no idea how these words rocked those Jewish people in Jerusalem that day because they thought if you were going to belong to God, you had to be born in the right nation. You had to go, if you, if you wanted to kind of transfer in from a, from a foreign country and try to become a part of the, of, the, of the people of God, then you had to go through all the 600 and some odd laws of Moses and keep all these laws. And, and you've got to go through all of these things before you can even hope to have any kind of relationship with God. And I'm telling you what... Jesus came along and the Holy Spirit was poured out and amazing things began to happen. Things like, like you and I have experienced right here. It's just astounding. And, and it's one of the things that brought a great deal of controversy in the first century church. You can read about it in the book of Acts. That people who the night before were drinking Jack Jan- Daniels and partying all night at, the, at their rave, you know, that the next morning have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, are cleansed, are filled with the Holy Spirit, and are grafted into the body of Christ, transformed completely completely changed and begin their life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it didn't matter whether they were Jew or Gentile or what race they were, or how much money they had or what kind of education they had. They were born again into a brand new kingdom and into a brand new family. And this really upset all the Jews who said, no, wait, 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 wait. No, you need to be circumcised. You need to, you need to memorize all these laws. You need to know what you can eat and what you can't eat. And you, you got to go through all this stuff before you can... Uh, uh, even join our new membership class. And, and Peter and Paul and those who were sent to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, what an amazing thing that you and I are partakers in this incredible, incredible gift that we can just become a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, born into it and then filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to live the life of an overcomer every day of our life. So he says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. This is what God says, your sons and daughters. And here again, here's an amazing thing. Women didn't have a role in the ministry in the, in the Old Testament. You know, there were, there were an odd uh, few that God used uh, in special ways. God used Deborah. She was a prophetess and God used some other. I, I love my friend, Dr. John and, and Miss Den. There's, there's, there's JL. How you doing? Is that Joy? Hi. Hey, Joy. How are you doing? Hey, Aaron. It's good to see you guys. I want to give you a hug after church. JL was named after a mighty woman of God, a warrior princess who nailed a heathen king's head to the ground with a tent peg. And I just think you got to be pretty brave and full of the Holy Ghost to name your daughter JL. But I'm telling you, that is a prophetic name and I pray you live up to it every day of your life. But it was not, you know, you don't find women who were part of, you know, that, that ministered in the temple. You know, you know that, was, that, that was the realm of, 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 of men. And here God just says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. How many of you women are thankful that God didn't say only your husband can have the Holy Spirit? But he said, I'm going to pour it out on you too. 
He said, and they will prophesy, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I just want to, I want to ask and then hopefully answer uh, a few questions today. And, and, and here's the, the first question. The question is, who who needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Who needs this infilling of the Holy Spirit? And I want to I begin my answer by saying this. Spiritual leaders today need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like spiritual leaders in the Bible needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So people who are spiritual leaders. Now, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, Jesus is speaking and he says, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father to you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the men who spent three years living with him, walking with him, listening to him preach his sermons every time he stopped and taught. They were there when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. They were there when he began to multiply the bread and the fish. They helped distribute the bread and the fish. They were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. They were there, terrified that they might drown in a storm when Jesus stood up and said, peace, be still. And the wind stopped blowing and the waves stopped raging. And they said, who is this man? Who are we dealing with here? They were there when he said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And they did. And they brought in so many fish, their boat was about to sink. And they called their buddies, come and help us. We can't hold all the fish that we caught. Now, if any of you know how to fish like that, I want to give you my phone number after church, okay? I, I just, I think that would just be an amazing thing. But Jesus is talking to his disciples. They had experienced all of these things. They, this was not hearsay. It wasn't secondhand information. They were there. They heard him speak words of life. As a matter of fact, when a group of people misunderstood some things he said and they began to leave, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? And they said, Lord, where, where would we go? Where would, we've burned all those bridges. We, we have no place else to go. You are the only one for me. You're the only one for me. The only one. You would think that that would be better than four years, six years, eight years in a seminary, wouldn't you? You would think that that would be all you would need. But before Jesus goes away, he tells these guys, you need something else. Before I leave and you start preaching the gospel to the, to the world and you start writing the, the rest of the New Testament, you need something else. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. I want you to wait until you are endued with power from on high. Before they began to minister, they needed They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Who needs the power of the Holy Spirit? Who needs to be filled? Well, I I would say number two, people who are blessed and highly favored need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter one, verse 28, the word of God says, having come in, the angel said to her, it's talking about Mary, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. A little later in that chapter, down in verse 42, Mary comes into her, her cousin's house, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, 
She spoke with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So here's Mary identified for us in scripture as one who is blessed and highly favored, and yet we see that Mary received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, where was that? I never, I never heard of any such thing in all my life. And if you will look at, look with me at a couple of scriptures, I want to just show you where this is in Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. When they had entered, these are the disciples, the, this is the group of people that are coming, Peter and John. Uh, they, they went to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John, and the Holy Spirit saw fit. We know that there was a crowd of people there, but the Holy Spirit saw fit to to name some of the people who were there so that we would know some of the individuals who were there as part of that crowd in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. So there's Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, come on, read it out loud with me, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Okay, now let's just turn the page to Acts chapter 2. These are the people, they were in the upper room. Turn the page to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all, everybody was there, they were all there together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And who was some of the people? James and John and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Mary, the mother of Jesus and Jesus' half-brothers. There are a lot of people around the world that pray to Mary. There are a lot of people in our community that pray to Mary. And I just want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is something that's better than praying to Mary. And that's praying like Mary prayed. Instead of praying to her, you can pray like she prayed. She prayed in tongues. She prayed in the Holy Ghost. She prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus, perfect prayers just like you and I can pray as the Holy Spirit rests on us and fills us to overflowing in our hearts and lives. Who needs the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Number three, devout men from every nation. Not just Jews, not just Hebrews, not just the, those chosen people, but devout men from every nation. In Acts chapter two and verse five, it says there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. Men who were so devout that they had traveled and made the journey across, across boundaries, across borders to get to Jerusalem for the Passover. But traveling then was not like it is today. It's not like you can buy a, a plane ticket and go to the airport and fly to the other side of the world and be there in 12 hours. It, it's not like you can get on a train or a bus or even get in your car and drive you know, to the other side of the country. This was arduous. This was, this was risky at times. This was, you had to bring your supplies. You had to pack money with you to, to buy supplies on your journey. A journey that to us would be hours or maybe days would maybe take them weeks or possibly even months. 
as they walked, as they rode camels or donkeys or whatever. These men were devout in their worship of God. And yet, with all of their self-sacrifice, with all of their desire to pursue God, with everything that was in them, they needed and were given this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. At, at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Jews and proselytes, Cretans and, and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. You know, sometimes people say, and you know, the Apostle Paul in his teaching on the Holy Spirit says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I'm not motivated by love and everything I do, I'm just a sounding brass, a tinkling symbol. I, 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 everything I do is worthless. And I want you to know that many people say, you know, I don't know about all this. You know, it, it seems, it seems, I'm just not sure, you know, that, that when you speak in tongues, if you're actually speaking in, in a language that another person can understand, uh, but you've never learned. And I want you to know, I want you to know that it does still happen. I want you to know that it does still happen. It happened right here in this church. It happened to people in my life that I know. Back in 1960, my dad was praying at an altar. When he got through praying, he got up and there was a man behind him who was a Bible school professor. And he said, I want to know where you learned Hebrew because that was the most beautiful and perfect prayer I've ever heard anyone pray. My dad said, I don't know. I don't know any Hebrew. I never learned Hebrew, never studied Hebrew. And he was intrigued. He said, what was I praying? He says, you were prophesying the birth of your son. Now, in 1960, they didn't have ultrasounds and could tell you the sex of your child. My mom was pregnant with my little brother. And in a day or two, she gave birth. And it was a boy. It was John Neal. And my dad had been speaking that language right down here, right over here. Uh, years ago, Guy Laverne, who was our children's pastor for many, many years, was praying, worshiping God at the end of a service, praying in the Holy Spirit. And Inez Freeman, dear sister who loves Jesus, Hispanic gal from California that moved here, she's sitting over here just crying and weeping. And just, I mean, you can tell God's really touching her. Something powerful is going on. And she comes up and says, he's speaking in Spanish. He doesn't even know Spanish. She knew him well enough to know. He didn't know Spanish. He's praying in Spanish. We have had missionaries who have spent their lives overseas, some of them going to the deepest, darkest tribes, you know, that, that had never been in, never had a, a, a touch of civilization. And we've had missionaries testify to us that as they ministered, the power of the Holy Spirit fell and the people in the tribe began to pray and praise God. And there was such an outpouring. The Holy Spirit came. Some of them began to speak in tongues and some of them began to pray in perfect English. Perfect English, praying and praising and thanking God for his goodness and for his mercy. I want you to know it's really, really true. You need, you need the Holy Spirit to have that prayer language, but you need the Holy Spirit to speak in English too. How many of you understand that? We need the Holy Spirit to, to control our tongue and help us say the right things and help us shut up sometimes when we should. Well, I'm thankful the Holy Spirit knows how to arrest things and keep us from saying things that don't need to be said. Who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? 
Spirit. The Bible teaches us that people who have been, been saved, healed, delivered, baptized in water need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 7, it says that unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many. Now, this is talking about the revival in Samaria. It says that unclean spirits came out and they came out with a loud cry. Many who were paralyzed or were lame were healed. How many of you think that'd be a pretty exciting church service to be in? People jumping out of wheelchairs, people, you know, throwing their crutches away. There was much joy in that city. There were also great miracles. There were signs and wonders. There was great joy. They had received the word. Acts uh, chapter 8 verse 12. It says, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom... And the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized in water, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And when the apostles at Jerusalem, verse 14, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to just pay attention here. These people got saved. These people got baptized in water. These people were healed. There were not only miracles, there were great miracles. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but that's pretty amazing. Let me just tell them that I'm in church right now. I'll call them later. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And even with all of that, they sent Peter and John to pray over them that they would receive the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this divine enabling of supernatural supply, supernatural power in their hearts and in their lives. Who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? People who are scholars. People who are intellectual, students of the word of God. People who are sincere and sold out to God. And I give you the apostle Paul as, as example number one. A man who testified that he studied the scripture. That he was trained at the feet of Gamal. That he, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He kept the law. He fasted. He tithed. He memorized the word of God. He did all of those things. And yet when he had his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and was struck off of his animal onto the the ground on his back was blinded God sent Ananias to him and Ananias comes in and says Paul I'm here to pray that you will receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and he was filled with the Spirit and God gave him power he was like the energizer bunny after that he never ever quit who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit Christians who are obedient to the Lord Christians who are established in their faith Christians who are known as disciples. Acts chapter 19, Paul ran into a group of men like that. The Bible says there were about 12 and they, they had a love for God. They were committed. They were known as disciples. Paul asked them if they'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they said, we didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. Paul prayed for them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might, might be thinking, you know, I, I hear you're talking about all these different people that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is just, just sum that all up 
up all of those groups of people that I mentioned, plus any group that anybody in here might belong to. It includes all of us. This is available, not just for pastors or evangelists or people who are in full-time ministry. This is available for each and every believer who wants to have more of the power of God in their life to help them through each and every day of their life. And you may ask, how, Pastor Paul, how can the Holy Spirit help me? And I just, I want to tell you, the, the Bible lists some things. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will teach you the word of God. He will give you revelation. How many of you know sometimes that we need not another explanation, we need a revelation of God's truth. And the Holy Spirit does that. He connects the dots for us. The Holy Spirit does a whole, he is the comforter. I'm so thankful for the comforter that can come in strength and power. I'm thankful for all of the things. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that he will give us gifts a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. You may or may not be aware of a situation in a person's life that you're talking to and all of a sudden, the words that you are saying, you realize it's, it's going deeper than just hitting their ears. This is going to their heart. And God may be speaking direction and, and maybe correction to a person's heart and you may not know anything about the circumstance or maybe you do, but you know that what's coming out of your mouth this is not something I learned, this is not something I thought up, not a three-point, you know, tip that I put together to bring to you, to share with you. No, it's just God speaking through me. And all of a sudden, scriptures, scriptures that I've read and scriptures that have been in my mind and in my heart, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's bringing them back to my memory and tying things together. And it's almost like you're just almost disembodied. It's almost like you're sitting back looking at yourself saying these things like, who is that? Where did that come from? And if if you know, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you understand? You know what I'm talking about. You've experienced that. This is part of the power of the Holy Spirit. He says that there there are gifts of miracles and gifts of faith and gifts of discernment, that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us pray. He helps us pray. How many of you have ever wanted to pray more effectively, pray deeper, pray a little longer, pray with power? And, And the Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit who helps us pray. And because it is the Holy Spirit interceding through us. He prays perfect prayers. Perfect prayers in accordance, in agreement with the will of God. Now here are some things that he does. How can the Holy Spirit help me, Pastor Paul? Number one, he gives us power over the fear of man. He gives us supernatural power over the fear of man. In Acts chapter one and verse eight, Jesus said this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. If you've been here for any of the teachings, this is something that's been shared numerous times by numerous people who've stood on this stage that that word witnesses is, comes from the Greek word martis, which is where we get the word, the English word martyr. He gives us power to die. Power to say no to our selfishness. Power to lay down our own will and choose his will. Power to die, like Paul said, to die daily to my own will, my own desires. Let me just give you an example of this. How many of you remember the story about Peter on the night that Jesus was arrested? And Peter wants to get close and hear what's going on, but he's a little bit intimidated and a little bit fearful. There's a, a, a little fire that's going. People are warming themselves. There's at least a few people there, we know. And there is a servant girl who is intrigued with Peter. And she comes up to, to him and she says, 
you know, you're, you're, part of the, you're part of that guy's little group of men, aren't you? And Peter said, no, 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 no. No, you're mistaking me with somebody else. No, no, that, 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 that wasn't me. Here's this big, burly fisherman. Probably hadn't been afraid of too many things in his life. And he's intimidated by this girl's question in front of these other people. He's fearful. Maybe they'll arrest me. Maybe, maybe I'll be imprisoned. Maybe, maybe I'll lose my freedom. He, I, I, don't know, I don't know if he could see the whole, the whole end result of what was about to take place. But she comes and she asks him again. She says, you know, you, you even sound. You, you guys are not from this area. You're not from, from Jerusalem. Y'all, y'all are from, Gal- you got that Galilean accent, you know? And, and, and Peter denies again. And then finally, finally she confronts him a third time and Peter just, he loses it. He curses and says, I don't know the man. I don't know him, okay? The rooster crows three times. Peter's heart is broken. Jesus looks at him. He just melts. He realizes how, how he has failed and betrayed the loyalty of his savior. Now I want you to contrast that fear of man Fear of man. It's something we all, we all want to be, we want people to approve of us. We want people to like us. We, we want the approval of people. We want people to think we look good, we sound good, we act good, we're kind of cool. And we all want that. Peter's, Peter was confronted with that, but I, I just want you to take a look in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. What happens on the day of Pentecost? Peter has been baptized with the Holy Spirit and the crowd gathers because they hear, they hear a commotion and it's early in the morning, it's nine in the morning and Peter, nobody says, Peter, you, you stand up and talk. No, Peter just, he just steps up. Nobody was trying to talk him into it. Nobody commanded him to do it. He just steps into the the, the light, at that moment in time, he steps up and he says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. So just look around, over there, that's Lazarus right there. You guys remember Lazarus? Over here's the widow who lived in the city of Nain. How's your boy doing? You know, he's talking about you three guys, you, you 10 guys over here. Y'all all used to have leprosy. They're right here in the crowd. People who had experienced the miracle working power. of How many of you got a piece of bread and, a, and, a, and some fish when we sat down and Jesus multiplied all that out of a little boy's happy meal? They know what he's talking about. He says, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. Look at this. You. This doesn't sound like a guy, the same guy that was being questioned by this little girl by the fire the night Jesus was arrested. He's speaking to a large crowd, thousands of people. And he He's very direct. He's not being politically correct or sensitive or anything. He's speaking truth. He says, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. 
But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. In verse 36, he says, they said, what, do, what must we do to be saved? And he says, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their heart. They said to him, what do we have to do? Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, then you will will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, it's to your children, it's to those who are far away geographically and far away in time, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. So if God has called you, you qualify. You fit in this group of people that God wants to endue with supernatural power. How, I just, I just want to, I want to give you a, a picture, a word picture. How did Peter overcome this fear of man? Did, did he have to psych himself up? Did he have to say, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, don't, don't be afraid, don't freak out, just get up there and take a step. And, you know, maybe the first rock won't hurt all that bad and then you can just keep on going after that, you know. I mean, he did not have to talk himself into it. He didn't have to psych himself up. He stepped up. It was kind of as natural. It would be kind of like baptizing a Mentos in Coca-Cola. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Go to YouTube and search it. (sighs) Rivers of living water just came out of him. Life, life came out of him. What else can the Holy Spirit help me with? What can he do? How can he help me? Well, I'll tell you what he can do. He can help you see with Jesus' eyes. He can help you see with the eyes of Jesus. When Jesus saw the woman at the well, he saw her very differently than the village saw her. They they were embarrassed of her. They were ashamed of her. They rejected her. They didn't want to have anything to do with her. She came out in the middle of the day to get water because nobody wanted to be around her. Even the disciples were wondering, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? Going and reaching out to this woman. But Jesus saw something in her that nobody else saw. When Jesus got out of the boat in the land of Gadara, there at the cemetery, and all the tombs are there, and this wild, crazy man who's living in the tombs, Bound, they tried to bind him up with chains. He broke the chains. He's, nobody can get him to keep any clothes on. Jesus saw that man completely differently than all the people in the town saw him. They saw a guy who's crazy, wild, naked, stay away from him, don't have anything to do with him. Don't let your kids go down that road. Jesus saw a man who was bound and who longed to be free. I need I need the eyes of Jesus. I do. When I drive out of Walmart and I see the guys sitting there begging, and I'm tempted to think, well, you know, there's a lot of jobs. I need the eyes of Jesus. You and I both, we need the eyes of Jesus. And instead of looking at people through our lens of whatever, pride, our lens of, of judgment, of impatience, of 
religion, anger, or superiority, or whatever it may be, we can see people the way Jesus sees people and be moved with his compassion and reach out to them. We can see something. You know, when you see somebody who's bound in drugs is your first response, or somebody who's bound, you know, with alcohol, or or something is your first response. We need the eyes of Jesus to see those people and know that God wants to set them free, that he loves them, and he wants to make them my brother and my sister. He wants to include them in the family. He wants to bring them in. And so, you know, I I I remember years and years, decades ago, Brother David Wilkerson, who was an incredible man of God, was invited onto a late night television program. And while he was there, there was a comedian who was on just before. And it was one of those where you have a host and you have several guests. And one of the, one of the guests was a comedian. The comedian got up. David Wilkerson was sitting there. And they were going to ask him about Teen Challenge, that he had started a ministry for, for people who, who were struggling with addiction. And so this comedian gets up and he begins to go through his routine and, and everybody's just laughing. It's hilarious. And he's talking about, he's talking about the, the breakup of his marriage and his divorce. He's talking about a number of immoral, sexually immoral situations. He's talking about alcohol. He's talking about addiction to drugs, all these kinds of things. And then they, uh, he finishes up and everybody claps and everybody was laughing. The crowd's all laughing. Everybody's funny. And the host turns to Reverend David Wilkerson and he says, how about that, Reverend? That funny stuff, huh? And David Wilkerson was just quiet for a minute and he says, you know, he said, I, I, I didn't think it was funny. He said, what I saw was a man whose heart has been broken, a man who's full of pain, a man who, whose, whose marriage has crumbled, a man who's struggling with addiction. I, I see a man who's who's really struggling and, and, and just full of hurt in his life. And, and I know that God loves him. Well, you can imagine the reaction of the host and the, and the television audience. It was like somebody just sprayed cold water all over him. They quickly cut to a commercial. David Wilkerson shared later on. He says, you know, I question, you know, why do you have to say that? But he was just speaking from his heart. When he got backstage and was about to leave, that comedian came back there and he said, preacher, he said, you hit the nail on the head said, to be honest with you, everything you said is true. He said, my life is broken. My heart is shattered in pieces. He said, be honest with you, I've been contemplating suicide. And David had an opportunity to pray with that man. God will give you, the Holy Spirit will help you to see with the eyes of Jesus, people who, are, who, are, who need, they need to, to be seen with the eyes of Jesus. How, what else can the Holy Spirit do for me? Well, he'll, he'll help you to look different. Uh, you, you will suddenly, you'll have a song in your heart. You're not going to look like somebody who has no hope, no joy, no peace. Uh, somebody who's struggling with depression. Some, you won't look like somebody who does not have a savior who can save you from anything and everything and provide for all of your needs according to his riches in glory. I, I'll never forget this, this same young man, Guy Laverne, who used to be the, the children's pastor here. He was, he was in the grocery store, which is now Bilo. I don't remember what it used to be decades ago and a dear lady in our community by the name of June Landry who had partied with Guy was over there and she's walking down the aisle she saw Guy Laverne and man she saw Guy, Guy come here Guy what are you on I want some of that he said June 
I'm not on anything. I didn't smoke anything. I didn't take anything. I didn't drink anything. I found Jesus and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It rocked her world. I tell you, it wasn't long after that, June showed up in church, gave her life to Jesus and became a force for righteousness in New Iberia and in Iberia Parish because this young man looked differently than he'd ever looked before. He will help you to speak differently. He will change your language. You will speak differently. There's another friend of mine, uh, Brother Roland Frugge. Roland Frugge was one of these guys. He fought, he liked fast cars and a good fight over the weekend. That helped him make it through the rest of the week. Roland had a job and and he had gotten a new car. And he's, he's in his new car in a parking lot. It's a gravel parking lot. And there's another guy who's leaving the parking lot. Uh, this is on, I don't know, in the middle of the week. This is not a, a weekend or anything, but it's in the middle of the week. And the, as the guy's leaving, he's hurrying to get into the traffic. And he steps on the gas a little too hard. His tire's spent. He throws gravel all over Roland's car, his new car. Roland, a brand new believer, brand new. He jumps into his car, chases the guy down the road, honking his horn, flashing his lights, pulls him over on the side of the road, gets out of his car, walks up to him and tell, to roll your window down, get out of that car. Guy gets out, Roland takes a breath and he says, I don't know what to tell you except that if I hadn't just given my life to Jesus, you and me be rolling in the dirt right now because you just, you threw gravel all over my brand new car. But because I gave my life to Jesus, I'm not going to fight you, but I just want you to know. That's not the big thing. The big thing is Roland turned around. The guy apologized. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I didn't do it on purpose. And Roland said, that's all right. It's all right. I'm sorry. He gets back in his car. He sat down and Roland told me, he said, Pastor Paul, that's when it hit me. I sat down in my car and it was like a wave that washed over me. And all I could say is Jesus is real. He is real. Now, I want to tell you something. When you first have an encounter with God, whether it's salvation or baptism in the Holy Spirit, it is the devil's MO to come and say, that's not real. That's not real. Roland sat there in his car. He said, it's real. He said, Pastor Paul, for the first time in my life, I didn't say one cuss word. Not one cuss word came out of my, I knew that Jesus was real because he cleaned up my mouth, my language, my heart, which is connected to my mouth was different. And when I opened my mouth, no junk came out he will help you to speak differently Ephesians 5 says don't be drunk with wine because that will just ruin your life but be filled with the Holy Spirit and if you'll do that if you will yield control oh oh, that's really the heart of the matter isn't it we want to be in control we want to be the tyrant the dictator the omnipotent we even have we still have scepters we don't call them scepters. We call it the remote control. But we're, we're in, we got the power. We're in control. And Paul says, if you let the Holy Spirit control you, if you let the Holy Spirit control you, there'll be songs and hymns and spiritual songs coming out of you. You'll be singing, you're the only one for me. You're the only one for me. You're not going to be having all that other stuff and all that other junk. 
coming out of your heart, out of your mind. James talks about it. He says, my brothers, he said, from the same mouth, we bless God. And then we curse men who are made in the image of God. He said, brothers, salt water and fresh water can't come out of the same spring. These things ought not to be. I'm just telling you that cleaning up your language, if if that's a problem, doesn't happen by exercising a, a, a ton of self-control or, or exercising your will. It comes by dealing with the heart of the spring, by, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then when you're squeezed, what comes out is the blessing of God, words of life. If a man is filled with anger, then anger will control his life. If a man is filled with greed, then greed will dominate his life. But if a man is filled with love, then love is the motivating power in all that he does. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that I have more of the Spirit. It means that the Spirit has more of me. It doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It means that I'm better than me. I'm the best possible version of who I can be. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. We've talked about that. Oh, I love this. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in my life. In Galatians chapter 5, we all know the first three who produce love, joy, and peace. But why do we stop there? Because the very next one is patience. You just had to go there, didn't you, Pastor Paul? Patience. 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 The next one, kindness, kindness. How many people don't have any problem being kind to everybody around them, but when they get home, they're a bully. When they get home, they speak to their wife, they speak to their their spouse, they speak to their kids, and and they sound like, I don't know, it just doesn't sound always sound kind. The Holy Spirit wants to help you not be a bully in your own home because The truth of the matter is the stage on which Christianity is played out is not the church. It's the home. It's the home. It's how we speak and how we act in our home. He gives us, here's the final thing. I'm going to stop with this. He gives us a passion for the presence of God. He gives us a passion for the presence of God and for the word of God. I love the example that that I see in, in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas have been on a ministry trip. They get to the city of, of, uh, of Philippi and, and a, a girl who's demon-possessed is freed from her bondage. And the guys who, who uh, were getting money from this girl from her ability to tell fortunes through the power of unclean spirits are very upset and they stir up crowd and they, they beat Paul and Silas. They bring them before the magistrates. They are charged. They're beaten some more with rods and then they're charged falsely and they're put in prison and and the 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 warden is told to keep them very safe very secure so they're in the inner part of the prison in shackles in shackles and the bible says that they sang praise they prayed and sang praises to god and night falls and they're continuing to sing and give praises to god and all the prisoners hear them and All of a sudden, there is an earthquake, and the earthquake happens, and instead of all the doors getting jammed, the doors pop open. And in this whole prison, all the doors pop open, and the shackles fall, and Paul and Silas are free, and all the other prisoners are are free if they want to go. The warden 
understanding that if any of the prisoners leave, he's going to pay with his life. He thinks, I'm, just, I'm not going to go through the torture of what the government will do for him. I'm just going to take my own life. He pulls out his sword and Paul says, wait, don't do yourself any harm. We are all here. Now, here's, here's what blows me away. I don't know about you. Can I just be honest with you? If I was in prison under false charges, I'd been beaten. And I'm, one of my prayers, one of my prayers would be, Lord, get me out of here. Lord, rescue me. Get me out. I don't like it here. I don't want to be here. They were praying and singing praises to God. So that kind of sounds like, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk. And the, I'm, they're praising God. Everybody's hearing this. The glory of God comes down, manifests in an earthquake, and they didn't run away. They didn't run away. You're free. The trap's open. The prison doors are open. Run. Run for your life. Get away. Get far away. They won't be able to catch you. You got a head start. Run. No. No. And I just can't help but feel that they were right exactly where they wanted to be. They were in the presence of God. And if God shows up in a prison, they'd, be, they'd rather be right there in the middle with the presence of God than any place else. Not only did they not run, but none of the prisoners ran away. And I can't help but feel that some of those guys were thinking, man, I never felt anything like this before. I never felt God's love like this before. I just, I just want to stay here a little bit longer. I just want to, this is amazing. The Holy Spirit will give you a passion for the presence of God like you've never had before. Now, I want to close with this. That was my last little example. I'm going to close with this. Jesus calls his 12 disciples and they are just ordinary men. They're just ordinary men. None of them, they're, they're, they're not the richest. They're not the smartest. They're not the most spiritually sensitive. And they're not the most educated. As a matter of fact, they're known for their mistakes. They are known for their misunderstandings, their misjudgments, their bad attitudes. Jesus even told them, you guys have little faith. He said, uh, you guys are slow learners. All the things I'm trying to tell you and teach you. Some of them were from completely different political ends of the spectrum. Simon the Zealot was one of the disciples. He was from a group of zealots who were committed to the violent overthrow of the Roman government. And there were even known to be assassins in those groups. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Matthew, who was a tax collector, a total sellout to the Roman government. He collected taxes and he worked on commission. How do you like that? Worked on commission. And now, now they're brothers in the Lord and partners in the kingdom of God. And these are the guys that are going to preach the gospel to the world and write the rest of the New Testament. Not one of them was a rabbi. Not one of them was a scribe, a theologian, a priest, a Sadducee, a Pharisee. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, God chose the weak things of the world. God chose the things that, that are uh, despised. He chose those things that, uh, that the world does not esteem uh, to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. God chose these 12 ordinary men with all of their insecurities, all their fears, all their feelings of inadequacy, all their faults and shortcomings and failures. And he took these 12 ordinary men filled with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And they were God's plan for the world. They were God's plan. 
And there was no plan B. There was no plan B. And God's plan for spreading the gospel in Iberia Parish is to take you and me with all of our faults, all of our shortcomings, all of our fears, our insecurities, and to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are enabled, empowered, strengthened, and equipped to accomplish His purposes and fulfill our destiny. And there is no plan B. God's not going to send an angel to the sugarcane festival. He's going to send you and me. God's not going to send, he's not going to, you know, have chariots of fire come and deliver someone with a, you know, a message out of heaven to the people in this community. He is going to fill us with his spirit so that we speak under the anointing of God, words of truth and life, words that will lead people out of darkness into life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer right now? The way this whole journey starts is first by giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, by surrendering to him, by coming to him and saying, Lord, Lord, I want to be a part of your family. I want to be able to walk out of the darkness that I've lived in. And I want to live in the light. I want to be a part of your family. I want to know you. The Bible talks about this experience as being born again. That the old things have passed away. All things have become new. That we are born again. And, and that happens when we simply come to God in prayer. And, and it's as simple as ABC. A, we admit, we admit our need for God. We admit, say, God, I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. We, we have to be. We have to believe. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross in my place, that he rose from the dead on the third day. And then finally, see, we confess. That just means that I say out loud with my, life, with my mouth, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to surrender to his lordship over my life. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you're here this morning, if you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know we're not talking about church membership. We're talking about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about about being able to draw near and experience friendship with God. Not just knowing about God, but knowing God. If you'd like to pray that prayer, with me this morning, if you never prayed it before, would you just lift your hand? Really, no looking around. Everybody's just waiting here in the presence of God. Would you just lift your hand? I want to know who I'm praying with. I see a hand back here in the back. Is there anyone? Anyone else? Just lift it up real quick. I want to see. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just all pray this together. Some of you for the first time and some of you as you remember the first time that you gave your heart to the Lord. Would you just repeat with me out loud? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God and I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, my guilt and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a relationship with the father. And today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, that Jesus is my Savior, 
The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.